Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello, everybody. This is Leif Hetland, and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And I do have the honor and joy to have my dear friend, Jake Hamilton, with me. And he is a passionate worshiper that is carrying the language and the sound of reformation and revival. And I think that some of the things I love about him, uh, I think the first time we connected heart to heart was actually in Bangkok. And, yeah. and it was actually over family. We started talking about family. And I just want everybody to know that he's married to Nikki. And they have three amazing kids. That's the most important thing, uh, Geneva Justice, Ezra, and Judah. He's a family yeah. man. So I don't want to talk about his assignment, what he does. I want to focus a little bit more who he is. But he is uh, he is one of those people that changes environments uh, because of the environment that he carries. And, and, and for me, he is a dear, dear friend. So thank you so much for taking this time, especially my season of mourning. Uh, yeah. you, you give me a smile on my face just seeing you, Jay. Thank you. Leif, I love you. And I know how much you're fighting for family. And so to be in the midst of the season you're in, still talking about it and still fighting for it is one of the most beautiful things that you can offer the Lord. Anybody can do it in a season where everything's working out, but it's another to be in the grieving and know that resurrection is still possible in the heart and in the soul and in the family. So Mm, I just really, I bless you guys. I love you a ton. And I'm really glad for knowing you. I've benefited a lot from being close to you and your family and your friendship means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Uh, tell me how, I mean, I just wanted to hear a little bit about you and Nikki and the family in the middle of this last chaotic 18 month season. How has that been yeah. for you? Well, it's been, honestly, I, we, I had COVID in January, so that was awful. Um, I had it pretty bad because it caught me in the middle of fasting, which wow. doesn't do great for the immune system. So I, uh, I had it pretty rough, but um, the rest of the year, um, with the kids being home and mm-hmm. us being able to be real intentional. So we had set up our lives for the last five years to be home and be focused and give the teenage years uh, our lives to our teenagers. You know, we really wanted to make sure that the these last handful of years we get with them through high school, like, I, you know, Geneva is now 17. Ezra just turned 15 and Judah's 12. And um, I want to make sure my young men, especially uh, make the transition from boyhood to manhood really well. And being able to be home this last year, which was quarantine, but because we had set our lives up already to be together, um, it honestly just amplified us getting intentional time together. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really beautiful for us to kind of be focused as a family to relation relationship building. It was just super intentional, you know, really hard because our lives, you know, it was a lot of change for a ton of people and a lot of loss and a lot of pain and everybody has opinions. So it's like, you're navigating a thousand things, but in the midst of it, we kind of just said, Hey, enough of the noise. Like if we're going to get this time together, if God's going to allow us to be this focused and intentional, we don't want to miss one minute of it. So we've been really, really focused on family for this last sort of season, this last year and a half, really, it's been super intentional. 
Yeah, I, again, I was just thinking about the, uh, the journey where we were in Bangkok together. I know a lot of the people that are listening or watching know you on the stage, yeah. almost a roaring lion. Of course, you have a song even in regard to that. And then I met you as a lamb yeah. in a hotel room going through uh, both some brokenness, vulnerability. And I feel that that's often where we connect, including you now with me in this season where it yeah. is wilderness. It's it's when we have a limp. It's in the middle of some of our weakness, and we have all uh, gone through yeah. some of that. So, could you just share a little bit about some of your journey? Because I know all over the place right now, I know that there's so many different people right now. They just need some. They need some fresh food in the middle of their wilderness. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we have a big message we've carried connected to family was choosing suffering, like actually not being afraid of the suffering, not being afraid. Everybody, we talk a lot about the fact that everybody wants resurrection, everybody wants revival, but nobody wants to walk through the grave. Nobody wants to walk through the reformation that's, that it's going to take in order to carry revival long term. Like if there's not a reformation, then we're not going to be able to see revival carried long term the way we desire for it to be carried and the way I believe Jesus wants us to carry it. And for us, um, we were handed that. My daughter was born um, with cerebral palsy and that immediately I planted a church when I was 19. So that's a big old long story. Planted a church out of a Baptist church when we were 19, planted a house of prayer. But in the middle of all this stuff, my daughter being diagnosed with cerebral palsy and walking the journey of like, of of pain and loss and suffering and, and knowing how to care and not just like, okay, God, I'm just going to receive it. And don't worry, everything works out. Everything. I, I think that's what turns a lot of people off from the church. To be honest with you, I think long-term is Mm. that we end up feeling like we have to candy coat everything to make sure as long as we know we're suffering, but he's still good. Mm. Like if I have to qualify, that's, I will say it this way. I will always know my son is lying if he has to qualify the truth he's telling me with um, a nice silver lining or a a candy coating. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't need the candy coating. Just tell me it sucks. (laughs) Tell me it's really hard. Tell me it's not working out and you don't have any answers. Just give me that. And I think that's been our journey. It's like, we don't have any answers. We don't know all the whys. And we as a people, as a family with our daughter have walked that out. Even me and my wife and our journey have to experience that relational friction on a consistent basis and still choose each other. And I think that really is like us as a church going, Hey, we don't know what's going on. We're not quite sure how this is going to shake out, but Hey, Leif, if you need something, I'm here for you. Like we're, we're, we have a connection. And I think people leaning and knowing who those connections are in the midst of their everyday life is where hope is really going to be birthed. Mm-hmm. People who actually know how to show up for one another when it gets tough is actually where we see Jesus manifest the most. Mm. So beautiful. Uh, what would you say, because I know you're using music, music is one of your giftings to be able also bringing healing to people's life in the middle of this season. And part of the reason what we're talking about now, uh, let me just give it quickly the background. I, I, uh, about two years ago, I was invited to go to a large Baptist church and the leadership just asked me to come and have a meeting with them. And I didn't realize I just got tightened in my chest, could hardly sleep for two years, night, two, two, two nights, excuse me. And I was just tight and could hardly breathe. And I didn't know what was going on. And I had been treated three times for PTSD because of some of the horrific things from Congo, Sudan, Pakistan. So I knew that PTSD and suddenly I realized, now this is 
out of nowhere, PTCD. It was the same symptoms that I had. And I didn't realize that it was 20 years earlier that we had been crucified by Christians. And we had this horrific experience, kind of a divorce in the church. And you had to choose between mom and dad. And we were there yeah. and lost our friends. We lost everything. It was such a grief and lost probably one of the most difficult things my wife and I and our family went through. And the pain of that. But I didn't realize because since I knew the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, I also yeah. it was the same symptoms I had. And then I went and got some help to just be able to help me to, to deal with some of those things. And the place actually didn't come there to beat me or crucify me. They were there to bless yeah. me. It was totally opposite, but I went with a lie for a couple of days. So that's kind of the background of why I, I, yeah. And then a few weeks ago when I was in Louisiana, I felt this, this glory and presence and healing. And then suddenly the leadership, something came in and people got crippled by this thing. And I realized PTCD, post-traumatic church disorder. So I asked that Sunday, <laughs> I said to these people, hey, how many of you have been traumatized? I didn't say just be hurt by church, all of those. Yeah. Traumatized. I describe what PTSD is. 70% yeah. of the people there has been traumatized. People have been raped by youth pastors. I mean, the stories that came out, I started to minister. And I realized, wow, I need to address this. We need to we need to get healing. People need to be healed. Pastors need to be healed from church member. Church member need to be healed. Yeah, the absolutely. body need to get healed in this season so that we can bring healing to a broken world. So anyway, that's the... So what are you seeing, Ardor? What is, <laughs> dude? I deal with this all the time. Like yeah. I'm always the I'm always the weirdo showing up at meetings. You know what I mean? Like for those that know me, like yeah, I do music, but I don't necessarily do it the way that you know is prescribed to be worship music. Which is I joke around a lot. I get invited once as the oddity, but don't necessarily. And people praise me for the break. They're like, God, thank you. You just brought such breakthrough. But I don't necessarily get the return invite because what most people want. <laughs> is they want a nice meeting. They want a really nice meeting. And the truth is when you when there's a shaking that takes place in sort of like normal church culture what you're what you were experiencing is all of a sudden it brings up all that stuff that was traumatizing about not because I think the core issue we we could talk about abuse in the church. We can talk about molestations in the church. We can talk about all those things. I I get that those things exist mm -hmm. at a very base level one of the things that really like comes up a ton is people just aren't allowed to be who they actually are. They're not allowed to actually be the version of themselves that were that God actually created, you know, mm -hmm. and therefore there's like this split personality disorder that's happening with most churchgoers because there's the version of themselves that they are at church and the version of themselves that they are everywhere else. And these are the people that I'm dealing with a ton because I think they see me and go, Hey, you're a weirdo. <laughs> you don't quite fit in. I can talk to you. You feel safe. And so I get stories of people that have been massively wounded by the church for years and years and years. And the music portion of what I did have been doing allows them the space to ask the questions that nobody else is allowing them to ask so that they can see things that they've never really seen before. And that to me has been like a huge place of where I could bring healing because I can go, yeah, I've experienced that. I mean, mm. I've been rejected a ton by the church. Yeah. I mean, I have a ton of pain for it. I've been massively wounded by the way people have treated me or talked about me behind my back, like mm. massive leaders, because they all want me to show up, but then they're not going to give me the same ability to lead the way that they're going to give somebody else who's a big name. You know what I mean? Because I'm the oddity. I'm the weirdo. 
you know? And I think that's how most people feel in the body is they feel like the oddity or the weirdo and nobody's being able, nobody's having the space to even address, Hey, like, how has this hurt you or affected you? Do you feel like you can really be yourself here in the church? Like, is this who you actually are? Or are you bringing a Christian version of yourself to this space in order to appease leaders or the people around you? Wow. I think, I mean, I struggle with, I'm honest with you, I struggle with that myself because there is constantly a high level of expectancy and you go to different settings. and. Yep. The version they want on me. It's like also, we want you to talk about what you just did in Pakistan. Yeah. And I'm like, do you really? Which version <laughs> which, which version do you want? So I do know it's yeah. kind of a, you cannot serve what is in there. Not because you do not love them, but you realize the very thing, including just this last weekend. I mean, they were very nice and kind and loving. It's my family, but I just, again, were to certain things I cannot share. Right. Because again, I realized that it's not, it's probably not going to benefit them or me in the long run. It's right. like, uh, so, right. so I've wrestled with it as as well as I try to wrestle to be the same person that you see if you go with me to the Middle East or that I'm on the stage right. that you meet with me in person or in a hotel room or or in my home. Right. When you, you that, that's what you can ask my wife and my kids and and sometimes I don't like it the the person. That's why I feel like even in this season that even as the father loves me and he's not impressed by my successes nor my failures, but he loves right. me as a son. And I had to right. get back. That's why it was so difficult for this for me. For me, it's been a test. I feel like an orphan to say, I know Papa God is my father. Right. Naturally, I'm needed to live as a son. And right. that's been my safety net every day. As long as I have that sonship, right. I feel safe. Then I can be friends and stewardship and apostleship and all the other ships. But the Danish right. want my apostleships. They want a one million Muslim. Or they want a signs, wonders, a miracle. And what I'm coming with is the lamb when they want this. And so I, I, I've wrestled with that well, there's a And there's a massive, there is a massive expectation of the body of Christ at this point to be a massive show. Yeah. This is a massive show. And in all honesty, like, I mean, I'm, you know me, we've talked about this before. <laughs> I'm like, once money and once fame and once influence and celebrity start showing up at the door of the church, we are going to lose the heart of the body of Christ because we can't, that doesn't on it. Being a son doesn't always sell tickets. You know, being a child of God laid out before him is not very sexy all the time. You know, it's not necessarily going to sell conference seats and it's not necessarily going to fill stadiums, but it actually is what the world needs at this point. They want to see real people going through real stuff. Like, that's why this grieving process is so important, because, again, as people see you going through that, they see you've carried this message of fatherhood and you just lost a dad. How can you not weep and be broken over that reality? Like, and people seeing that go, that is what I need. I need to know it's okay to mourn and grieve and feel lost and confused and heartbroken because I've experienced that. I want to know that it's okay to do that. And like, you do that better than most. You just, I'll never forget Bangkok. I, we had a great time in the hotel room, but you remember what stuck out to me is you holding a little boy on the front of that stage when everybody else was wanting their hands to be laid them on them and all you're doing is holding a little child who's handicapped and can't get anywhere and you just held him and held him and held him and held him. You weren't praying, oh, maybe you were. All I saw was a dad loving a little kid. That is what the 
the entire planet just wants to be held right now and know that they're not too screwed up. They're not too lost. They're not too broken. They're not too emotionally, spiritually, and physically handicapped for someone to love them. That to me is what they need. Do you know something, Jackie? I just thought about last night. Uh, as I say, I had a God moment like that where I felt I'm so screwed up. I'm I'm the boy. And the father right. came. Last night, I was the one that the father eventually came life. Even in the middle of all your messes and all your, because I just, shame and guilt and fear. I mean, I knew when it comes to me and Papa Jack, that that, that Papa God said, well done. But then they, they, I just went through this whole thing of everything hit me. And I looked in that mirror and all the mess. Here, I just wrote a book on orphan spirit and I feel like an orphan. And even one of our friends who's a prophet, the voice of the prophet was going on and all the prophecies contacted me and called me. And, and then one of them says, are you an orphan now? And it just got me wrecked. I mean, I was just, I've, here I'm writing a new book on orphan spirit and I feel like an orphan. And I got a word and I'm just left with that. And then Papa God last night, like, I mean, in the middle of my messes, but I, I'm still weeping while we are talking, but I was weeping. <laughs> I messed up and in the front of my wife and kids, even the basics that I teach, I was not able to live. And uh, that's what makes it so beautiful. Like that, that to me, like, is everything the world needs right now. Listen, we have really amazing theology. We have such powerful worship. We have insane meetings. I, I love all of it. But just a man, just a man or a woman who goes, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really attempting to love God with the little bit I have. One of my friends, he always says, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where he got his bread. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the way I feel. I'm like, I, I've been doing this for 20 some years as a believer, just trying to follow God. And I feel like every day I'm realizing how little I know. <laughs> I've read more and heard more and know more, so much less because that's how beautiful and amazing and majestic he is. Because the closer we get to him, the more we realize we don't know. And not one person on the planet has right theology. There's no one person who's going to walk into heaven one day, look Jesus in the eye and go, got it figured that out, man, this was exactly what I thought. This was exactly what I thought it would be like. No one. We're exactly like you said, Leif, we're just sons and daughters being held by a father. And we don't have any clue how to accept it, receive it, to even share it. When we get the chance, we're doing the best we can. And some of the things we said five years ago, we probably take back now because we learned some more things. We're just kind of stumbling towards grace. And it's so insanely beautiful. And even, yeah, just go, ahead. go ahead. I'm just asking, how, how would you then share with somebody to be able to be authentic, to be able to be real, even in the middle of their messes and when they're not able to hold it together? How would you, because I know that's so much of your voice, how can we be real and how can we be authentic, especially in a culture when an atmosphere where we often can be rejected if we are struggling with real issues? Well, and I think one of the major things is, 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 is I would say, if, if, first of all, if we don't know where to share it, it probably says we're lacking in real relationships because I know where to go for that. So yeah. for me, I would say first and foremost, find friends and family who you can actually trust. Like not someone who's going to pat you on the butt and tell you, don't worry, you're amazing. I want real people in my life. Yeah. I want to share my deepest stuff, have them look me in the eyes and go, bro, there is something wrong with what you just said. Mm. That's not okay. 
you can't say that. Or, hey, I'm glad you shared, but hey, that's a wrong thought. That's a wrong, hey, that's off. I need that in my life because if not, I'll be an arrogant, selfish, entitled brat. And I need people like that. So we all need people like that. And on the other side, I was just with a dude this morning. He's sharing deep stuff with me. And I'm like, come here. I just want to put my arm around you. Come here. Just come here. You know, and I just put my arm around him. I'm like, all right, we're okay. All right. Are we okay? We're going to be okay. You know? And I think first and foremost, we need those friendships. Because the second thing I would say is that some people, they share this stuff on a microphone and they're doing it. I had a counselor one time shared, this was so helpful for me. A counselor said, you know, cause I'm like, dude, I just feel like I'm being so authentic and so real and all this stuff. And she called me on it. She goes, Hey, you need to know you're not being authentic. You're telling on yourself. And there's a big difference. Wow. You're not being transparent. You're just telling on yourself so that you control the narrative. And if you wow. tell on yourself before someone finds out, you're in control of the narrative. Wow. Now you're still being arrogant. It just looks like humility to everybody who just heard you. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so she's like, where are you being really authentic? And I didn't have anywhere. This is a handful of years ago. I was like, nowhere. I'm just telling on myself everywhere I go so that I have the appearance of humility, but no one can get to know me. Mm. And so I needed to find those friends where I could share the actual processes of my heart. Not because I had even deep sin that I like had to confess. Really, it's because I need to be seen. Hmm. I need to be seen. Every human being, this is what they're longing for. I know it to the depths of who I am. Every human being just wants to be seen for who they are and who they really are and just be received, Hmm. not be taken from not be stolen from, and then not abandoned and rejected because they shared it. So if you can get some friends, find one friend that you can actually go, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Like, here's where I'm at. The good, the bad, the ugly. Not for confession and not for counseling. Mm -hmm. Just because I need it to be in the air and I need somebody to see me. And honestly, for those of you guys who are doing that for others, don't try to fix. Can I just make sure that everyone listening, don't try to fix people. Okay, you are not the Holy Spirit and you can't fix broken people. You can't do it. So good. But you can make space for God to encounter human flesh. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, we'll see incarnational realities change people's lives forever. Mm-hmm. And when we get to watch it, we'll be changed ourselves. That's incredible. I actually last night had a major breakthrough in the middle of I'm not finished, but I had a major breakthrough. Absolutely. And I have a couple of people that I've been for in this season, the very thing you described. Uh, and yeah. some of them are very recognized leaders that I've had the honor of walking through. Yeah. Very rough season. And one of them now, I have to call him with the same issue I just walked him through. And I'm the one with the same temptation, the same thoughts, the same, some of the dark clouds he has described. Now I'm there as a student where I was the so-called the teacher. But last night I had somebody that to some degree is outside our church. He uses a lot of four-letter words. He is, doesn't look, he's been in prison for quite a few years. Has, but he was the one that when I needed it the most, I, because I knew I could go to this person. And some of the weird, strange feelings that I was, as you said, there's very few places I felt that I can be. But I had someone last night when I was one at my worst moment. I went to this person and we spent the night. I came back again. And at least I know in my basement, there's some areas that this person was honest to listen to me. 
and he's not surprised by my whatever that's, that's going right. on. That's right. They're not impressed. Find people who aren't impressed by you. Yeah. Just find people who aren't impressed. And the no. truth is, they're probably really messy. And I love that. <laughs> I want I ah. I want to create space for messy people. I want to I, I need to be more of a mess. And I think I tell people all the time, I want to be just good enough at what I do so that people will pay attention. But I want to be just enough of a mess so that everybody's convinced they can do it too. And if I can just reveal my mess like enough to the world so that they recognize the goal isn't perfection or performance. Because honestly, like the thing that's killing the church more than anything right now is just celebrity Christianity. Cause there's no such thing as a celebrity Christian. <laughs> there's not, that doesn't, it's not even a real thing. Like we, we really need to be able to make space for our mess and for other people's. And like you said, the colorful language is irrelevant, man. Like, let's just be who we are. And I think it's massively important for men right now, especially because yeah. men have lacked this for decades. You know mm. what I mean? We haven't had real male initiation for a really long, long time where it's really healthy man on man connection without being uh, patriarchal or alpha it's just really tender and beautiful and strong we need that in our culture again we need men who can do this really really well i was just thinking about it. i have a friend of mine and and some of them know my story in 2005 i was in a treatment center and they have something called a 12 steps program and i have a friend of mine that is part of a 12 step yeah. program but what i love about step number one is like let's get down to it <laughs> Okay, first of all, I realize I have a mess that is much greater than myself, and there's nothing I can do about the mess. Second, That's it. There, there's a power greater than my mess, and I'm willing, when I recognize my mess, to surrender. Step number three, now I'm surrendering. But step number four, I'm willing to go to sexually, every year of my life, and making a list of everything that in my life that are mess. And step number five, I find That's somebody it. that I can sit down with, and I, not just before God, but finding peace with God and peace That's with right. myself, I choose somebody I can be authentic with, a sponsor, and the list goes through, and eventually by the time they get to step number 12 now I find somebody else to help in the same way I've been helped and I was thinking That's I it. learned that in a treatment center in California uh, with opiates addiction that 12 step program and I thought wow how, what if we just brought some of that like some of these guys are real when they are meeting yep. them they recognize this is what I am. And here's the next thing. This is who God is. I need God and I need you and I'm willing to whatever it takes because I have a disease and there's a big, there's a book written by Richard Rohr uh, called uh, Breathing Underwater, where he mm. actually walks through the 12-step program from a biblical lens and wow. encourages like people to walk through this reality. And because the biggest reality, like you're saying, is recognizing, I mean, that's how I know we're in a reformation right now, because renaissance leads to reformation. I know we're in it right now. Mm. We're seeing it. Yeah. And the thing that has to happen first is a Copernicum revolution. Copernicum says, hey, listen. The planets and the sun don't orbit around the earth. We orbit around the sun. We are not the center of the universe. And that first reality in the 12-step program of going, I am not the center of the entire thing, mm. is what's happening in the body right now. And that is traumatizing for people who think they're the center of the universe. The church is supposed to be about me. Worship is supposed to be about me. Prayer is about me. Meetings are about me. Relationships are all about me. Marriage is about me. Having kids is about, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And that is being destroyed right now, globally. And that is super traumatic when you are taken out of the center and God reveals him how, himself as the center of all things again. 
And when we start seeing that, like what you're talking about in that 12 steps, when Jesus Christ is put back on the throne and the center of all things again, that's how it changes. And we're confused by what's happening when what's happening is global dethroning of every idol that we have ever put on a throne that is not Jesus is being dethroned. It's Genesis 1. Yeah. Genesis 1 is <laughs> profound because in the era it was written, they worshiped the sun. They worshiped the moon. They worshiped creation. And the beginning of the Bible is written. In the beginning, God created he, no, don't stop worshiping the sun. He mm. created it. Stop worshiping the moon. He created it. Stop worshiping creation. He created it. He's dethroning everything mm. and saying, put me back on the throne again. Mm. You want to get this thing right? Put me. Yes, I know you were hurt. Yes, I know you had trauma. Yes, I know that was painful. I'm not belittling it. But when you put me on the throne, you'll have someone to hold you as you're walking through it. I'm not trying wow. to get you delivered from it. I'm trying to integrate your story fully so that your pain becomes a promise because of the process, not despite it. So good. Tell me something. What? Because I know that our time is running out. Here. This is so exciting. But what do you have in a sense of, uh, I just want for people to connect to you, any of the resources and tools. I just know who you are. I know your special sauce. And I want all of our kingdom family movement to be able to, be able to tap into some of the things that you have. So share, how can people get in touch with you? What do you have here that can add value to people's lives? That Come are on. There? I appreciate it. I honestly, um, I all that's out there right now is my music and there's plenty of it to digest right now. I'll be, um, but pay attention over the next couple months. Um, we will, you can pay attention to the website, social media stuff. I've been off social media for a good chunk of time just because I felt like I needed to re like restructure my thought process when it comes to things like this. And um, we're going to be releasing a bunch of stuff really soon. So I'll be releasing a song a month starting next month. So there's a lot of new music coming. Um, there's a lot of resources and videos we're going to start releasing on some of these topics, Re reformation, renaissance, revival, wow. male initiation. I just feel a real call right now. We're going to actually start something called the fight. Um, you'll see probably some stuff come out right now. And I'm going to just focus all my guns on getting men initiated. Come on. Like I really, really, really believe with my whole heart that if we're going to change family and change the world, that I have to get a hold of men again. And they have to know their proper place and created order as, as servants of all. <laughs> and we lead from a place of servanthood with Jesus as our model. So we're launching something called Fight. And we're going to probably do two weekends um, towards the end of this year so that men can come. And we can gather together for a weekend and say, hey, let's get re-associated with the man, Jesus, as the model of manhood for how we're going to live this out, serve our families, serve our communities, and serve the world as a whole. And so those are the sort of things that are coming down the pipe. But um, if you guys want to keep checking out the website, keep watching some stuff over the next few weeks, we're going to start releasing a, a handful yeah, no, of things. Make, so, make sure, Jake, that when you're getting a little bit closer, send it to yeah. us because I want to make sure using our social uh, media, but also a mass. We, we have a beautiful family around the world. And I want, I, I, I seriously do want your voice to be able to, to add value to us. And I, I just saw that picture. It's interesting, even before you said that vision, I just heard the word, David's mighty men. 
And I saw the cave of Adullam. I don't know, but I saw that Come before on. you said it, but I saw these men was coming and they were depressed, defeated. I mean, it was like these four Ds, but they came there to this cave. And what has happened, they had lost their identity. They've lost their value and they lost their dream. And I felt that this was part of the assignments to restore people's identity. And then people have been devalued and they devalue themselves because they didn't see their value. The second thing that David did, he restored their value to each one of them. And the third, he helped them to dream again. And I just felt that this whole thing of getting people then they're coming into the cave of Adullam, but they're going to leave there and go to Hebron, to the mountain where it is no longer about themselves. In Hebron, you're moving from convenient and contractual relationship in Adullam to covenant relationship in Hebron. And they get Come to be on. part of a family of men, accountability and covenant and all of that. So that stirred in my spirit right before you started to say all of those things. So that's why Come I started saying that. Wow, this is exciting, and uh, I hope that I have a chance to be one of those that, that comes to the cave of Adullam, would you, with a bunch of guys that we can, because I miss that. That's one of the things yeah. that, like, I, I have a small group of men in my life that the very thing that we can be raw and yeah. real, and, and I appreciate that about you. That's you, You've always been very open, raw, real from the first time I met you, and that gives me a chance to, I don't need to. We don't need to take 50. It has been a long time since we've talked, but right yeah. away I could be, I could be weak. I could be vulnerable. You can see the lamb and it's, it's bleeding and I can be that way with you. And I know so many other people are looking for people that we can just open up. And there's yeah. times when you need it. There's times when I need it. And there's all these guys out there that's needing it in this season. Can yeah. you pray? Could you just pray for us and just bless the people, yeah. especially in this season, and just release whatever you're sensing over us? And then I'm going to make sure that people know how to connect with you. And wow, yeah, there's um, there's one blessing. I'll give you this blessing. It it came from this indigenous woman in uh, North America, and she uh, this amazing podcast. And I was literally just blown away by this entire conversation. At the end of it, the guy said the same thing that you just said to me. Hey, is there a blessing or something you want to leave with everyone? And off the top of her head, this is what she said. And I've been using it to close out pretty much everything I've done for the last year and a half. <laughs> and it's this, it's you are the evidence. Everyone, you are the evidence of the strength of your ancestors. There are many things within your lineage that attempted to obliterate all forms of goodness, but you are the living proof that it did not work. You are the living proof that God has a plan and a future for your life. You are the living proof. Wherever you are, wherever you have been, you are still here. You still have breath in your lungs and there is still change to be made and there are rights to be wronged and there are still yeses and nos that have to come out of your mouth that will determine great grandchildren's decisions. And you are not dead yet. And I just believe with all my heart especially for men and especially for families right now, there is still a chance to say yes to family, a mm. yes to God, and not so that we can look better or do it right, but that we have a place of holding for us to be exactly who we were created to be. You are the living proof that every attempt on goodness in your lineage, your family sure. line, did not work. I bless you guys. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I sure do appreciate this time. And actually you minister to me in more ways than you know, 
and again, also one of the things you said, I'm just being honest with you, I know there's people that will watch, but that's uh, but even what you just said, that sometimes the presenting of humility, I'm sharing kind of a, my thing, just so that yeah. people don't have to look at the authentic. And that hit me. And I want to go, go even in this season, going in and saying, God, uh, because I can also very quickly sharing some of that. And I realize yeah, what absolutely. is the motive, what is the why behind it. And so... You have ministered to me today. You have ministered to our kingdom family movement. And I, I hope you. that we also can minister to you and Nikki and your family back. We love you guys a ton. Love you guys a ton. Love you much. Talk to you later. Blessings. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.